Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. It's great to be with you today. Merry Christmas to all of you. I'm joined by my dear friend, uh, the great Matt Halatic from thespun.com. If you don't uh, are not familiar with the spun, you should add it to your favorites. I love it. It's kind of a conglomeration of all things sports. Um but from more of a pop culture type way, and I'm not really a pop culture guy, but I need to stay up on what's going on. It's a great site. He's been joining me every week on the radio or on a podcast for a long time. We'll just leave it right there. And over, well over a decade. And love him dearly. He's become a great friend. And we're always glad to have him on the program. The one and only the great Matt Halatic. How are you, Matt? I know I'm doing great. Uh, looking to talk some ball with you on a short week for the Raiders. Real quickly, are you done with your Christmas shopping? No, I still got a little bit left to do. I'm uh, one of those guys that waits the last minute. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> All right. So, Matt, let's get right into this because I think we have a lot to discuss today when it comes to the Raiders. Um, they lose 3 nothing to Minnesota. The defense has just played out of its mind. Uh, it's a it's eleventh ranked defense in the National Football League. The offense was terrible. Um, there's no other way to say it. When you're watching um, Devito, I always say Danny, and I know it's not Devito, isn't it? Matt Devito. Tommy. He actually has an uncle named Danny, though I was reading, but it's Tommy Devito. So when you see Tommy Devito and Will Levis, both rookies going out there and altering their play and making some plays. Um, I think there's a lot there. So let's break this down. First of all, the Raiders defense. Um, I love having you on each and every week, and I want all of our listeners to know we're growing immensely, by the way. Let me just take a moment. I want to thank our listeners. Um, we are growing exponentially, and we offer you massive amounts of content. It's all free, and it's we're growing because of you guys. So Please continue to subscribe. Please continue to, sh to share and to follow. Thank you for all of that. I want you to know without you, we don't have a job, and we're appreciative of you. But for everyone, I, the reason I have you on every week is you're a national journalist who covers the NFL, but you do it from a 
national view in the Big Apple. I'm micro. I'm here. I'm on the ground. You're macro. You see it like a like an eagle flying above. So I love your perspective. Let's start with the Raiders defense. I think clearly Patrick Graham, one of the top coordinators in all of the National Football League, he is coaching out of his mind. I mean, he loses his linebackers coach and still continues to play at a high level because uh, AP is with the offensive line almost the whole time. Your perspective on the Raiders' defense and Patrick Graham? I think the Raiders' defense, and I've said this before, it's been there all year. It's mm-hmm. you know, it, it's been consistent week to week. The effort's been there. There hasn't been any letdown or sort of, um, you know, it, it, it can be very easy when you're a team, when you're on a team, and your unit is performing markedly better than uh, it counterpart on, on the team, you know, whether it's the offense outperforming the defense or defense, in this case, outperforming the offense, it's very easy to kind of have to let down or, or, you know, to get frustrated and have that affect your effort or your play. But we haven't seen that from the Raiders, despite the offensive struggles at different points this year. Uh, I think that's a testament to Patrick Graham that he's now been able to do this at a couple of different stops where his defense has been ahead of the offense. He did it in New York. Uh, now he's doing it now in Vegas. Um, you know, again, this Sunday in particular, you get your usual outstanding game from Max Crosby. Uh, Robert Splane had a good game. You get, you see a sack and a few tackles from the rookie Tyree Wilson, which is encouraging. You know, things like that are, are things you hopefully can build on. And it, it'll be interesting to see if Antonio Pierce gets the head coaching job permanently if he's able to retain Patrick Graham, because I wonder if Patrick Graham will get some more coaching interviews, head coaching interviews this offseason, because he got a few of them uh, two years ago, uh, two or three years ago, I forget which offseason it was with the Giants. Uh, I mean, I I think he's deserving of them again this time now. Well, and that segues right into our next question, which is Patrick Graham. I mean, clearly this guy, um, I wrote when he came here that the Raiders were very fortunate to get him. This is a guy that has a lot of head coaching potential. I think the job of what he's done here and has clearly, again, thrust him into the conversation to the point where if the Raiders don't go with AP, um, I think he sh- he's a viable candidate to get the head coaching job here. That's Hondo's opinion. I've not heard that yet from inside the building. That's my opinion, but I'd like to know what you think. It's interesting. I always wonder, and again, this is me without having that knowledge in the workings of building. I always wonder if something like that happens, if you get, you know, some players who might be a little confused or or disappointed that they went past the guy who has been leading the team, even if it is on an interim basis to hire the assistant. Not saying there's, you know, they don't love Patrick Graham or they're not, you know, happy working with him. Um, but it is an interesting thing to consider. I'll say this. At the end of the year, if they, you know, they say we're going to conduct interviews and they're going to interview multiple guys, whatever, I think he's definitely worthy of an interview for the head coaching job uh, with mm-hmm. the Raiders. Uh, and I think he's definitely will probably put him, find himself getting some calls from around the league as well. And if he ends, and listen, if, if he is not retained as the D coordinator, uh, by Vegas, 
uh, I'm ex- I wouldn't expect them to be out of work long. I think there will be numerous staffs looking to hire him either in a coordinator role or in some type of position coach role, which he's overqualified for at this point. But he's going to have he's a, a guy who's really made a name for himself around the league the last few years. Yeah, you know, again, I'm going to say this. If Mark Davis goes away from Antonio Pierce, I'm not saying that I think he's going to get the job. I think it would be very difficult for Mark to go away from Antonio and hire Patrick. Right. But I'm just saying I think he has performed at such a level, he's certainly worthy if you're not going to go with AP for an interview. I would you know, certainly interview him and consider him. But I think it would be too difficult just knowing the dynamics. Again, this is all Hondo's opinion. Before, when I gave a list of coaches, that was all um, what I was hearing either from the building or around the league. This is what I'm hearing. I mean, this is just purely Hondo opinion. All right, I want to go to Max Crosby because – I mean, we all know how injured he was, 60% against the Chief, probably 70 to 75% against Minnesota, and he just continues to play. There is a school of thought that says, listen, this season is over. Let's bench him. Um, I'm going to tell you why I don't agree with that, and then I want to know what you think. My opinion is this. AP has a, a, a... agreement with max who wants to play if you're if you if you're in too much pain you got to tell me and he and if the doctors told ap him continuing to play is hurting his future he wouldn't be playing now it's just a matter of how much pain can he deal with and if it's not something that's going to do extended damage and you have a guy that wants to play i think you have to let him play because it sends a message to the team. It sends a message about him. So, again, since no damage is being done and Max is smart enough, if Max couldn't handle it or Max felt like there was more damage being done, he would shut it down. Your doctors have told you you're not doing more damage. I have no issue, but I certainly understand people's train of thought. Your What's your thought on that? I understand where they're coming from because they're saying, hey, hey, you know, this guy is is your best player. He's a franchise building block. You don't want to see him do something, do more extensive damage or something more permanent uh, at this point. However, I look at it two ways, too. The season, you're not eliminated from the playoffs yet. So as long as there's still a mathematical chance, you know, guys are going to, you know, guys are going to keep fighting, especially a guy who wants to play at all costs like Max Crosby, number one. And number two, assuming, you know, you miss the playoffs, you're about to get an eight, seven, eight month break. Uh, well, I mean, seven months, six, seven months to training camp, eight months till regular season games. You get a long, that's a lot of time to kind of recuperate and get yourself ready to go for the following season. Um, and I, I just think that, listen, he's still going out there. He's still playing as hard as he always plays. He only knows one speed. Um, he's still productive. I have no problem with it. I understand where fans are coming from because there's been times I've said it myself, like, oh, I just rest them. What does it matter? You know, you know you're know, not going anywhere this year. It, it's safer. But 
it's also tough, I think, to kind of turn that competitiveness on and off. You know, okay, we're, we're, we're eliminated. Oh, I'm going to sit. Oh, we still got a chance. Uh, uh, you know, what if – because if you sat them for the – say you sit them for the next two weeks and the Raiders win two games and, you know, they're a game out of the playoffs with two games left, something like that, and then you bring them back. Well, now how do you kind of like mm-hmm. – how, how do you rationalize that to the team and rationalize it to the fans? It, no, I think you got to let him ride it out for for as long as he wants to play, as long as, like you said, he's not a danger to himself or he's not in imminent danger of getting seriously hurt. You know, I've, I've known Max going back to when he was at Eastern Michigan, as you know, and one of the things that, that I love about him, and I've said this so many times, work ethic of a Kobe, a Michael and Irvin, he's just got that work ethic. He is a unicorn. He is not a normal player. And what I say by that is there are a lot of guys who are not committed. Bobby Knight once said this to me, and I thought it was brilliant. We were talking about, you know, winners and picking winners and recruiting. He said, I don't want a guy with the will to win. I want a guy with the will to prepare to win. That is Max Crosby. Bobby Knight would love Max Crosby. Anybody would love Max because of that he doesn't i remember when he got money people were like oh you know he didn't come from a wealthy family didn't you know didn't come from poverty but didn't come from a wealthy family money's going to change him and i said no you don't know max it it doesn't change him it's just not the way he's not built that way i mean he was raised in a family where you go out every day you bust your rump you work your tail off and and he's a great testimony to his family um really to the world about work ethic. And to me, um, those guys are unicorns. And man, when you have one, they are so immensely valuable. You just, you have to guard them and protect them with your life. All right. You said something. And again, we got a lot to talk about. This is the next point, but you segued into it. There is some in the fan base, and I understand this, by the way, and you'll understand why I feel this way in a minute when we get to the offense who say, listen, shut Max down, shut everybody down who's even remotely hurt. <clears throat> we'll take the better draft pick and keep moving. I'm going to tell you why I hate that. <clears throat> and I got this from a guy who was on a team that did this. I hate it because once you turn the switch off as an organization and say to your guys, all right, we're not going to play our hardest. We're not going to play our best. You know, there there can come some rewards from losing. Once you, to me, it's, it's I understand why fans want to do it. Mm-hmm. But once you flip that switch off in an organization, you now tell the players, okay, down the road, whenever it benefits you over the team, shut it down. And this is the Raiders – whose motto is just win, if you do anything other than just maximum effort to win, I think you're discrediting your franchise. I think you're discrediting your fan base. I think you're discrediting the game of football. And I, again, have a friend that was in an organization that did that and said to me, it it destroyed us. It, 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 it was something, it took a long time. In fact, this 
team, in my opinion, has not gotten it back. And I'll tell you off air who I'm talking about. I think you know, but I'll tell you off air. And to me, I think <clears throat> while I understand a fan perspective and I respect them, I also know the residual damage of what can happen when an organization does that. Agree or disagree? I agree fully. And I think, uh, you know, I, I like to liken things to what's going on around the NFL and other places too. And especially if I can draw it back to what I know well out here in New York, but you look at what happened, what has happened with the Giants starting two and eight. And when you start two and eight and you're, you're playing as poorly as they were, you can really start to think, okay, maybe we're going to get a top two or three pick. We're going to have a chance in the next franchise quarterback. I get why fans are dreaming of that because even I myself was saying, wow, they really might have a shot at this. But here's the thing. You can't then tell the kids, the kids, the men, to go out there and give less than 100%. You know, okay. you they've won three games in a row with Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito's having the time of his life. This is an opportunity he never probably never thought he'd get. He may never get again. So how do you <laughs> tell a guy like that, don't go out there and play, you know, play your tail off and give everything and, and see what happens. It, it, I agree with that. Turning it on and off is impossible. Now, listen, last week of the season, your team is 6-10, and 7-9. You're eliminated. You want to rest some guys and give some younger a players a chance to play a full game. You know, say to, you know, I don't know. Let's just say, for example, Max Crosby, hey, and I, he might not want to do this, but hey, we're gonna we're gonna let sit you today, or we're gonna significantly we're gonna cut back a little bit on your reps. We're gonna give Tyree Wilson and some younger players more time. We're gonna maybe start a different guy too in the secondary. See how they do. Totally different for evaluation purposes. It's one game. It, it, it doesn't at that point. It doesn't matter. You're eliminated. But with a month left in the season, right. six weeks left, things like that. It's really hard. It's tough to say because, again, here's the thing. The Raiders aren't eliminated from the playoffs yet. The Giants are only one game out of the last spot in the NFC. Now, do I think either team makes the playoffs? No, I don't. But they're still technically alive with four weeks left. If you had just totally tanked or, you know, kind of written it off, how do you now go back and say, well, now the game's count again. Now they matter. You can't do no, it. Total. No, I'm in total agreement with you. Um, I, I, that's exactly where my thought process was. All right. So now let's go to the special teams. AJ Cole is phenomenal. I think he has emerged as the best punter in the game. I think Daniel Carlson is the best kicker in the game. Raiders, Jacob Bobbenmoyer has been terrific, who the Raiders signed. Um, I, I think the Raiders special teams may be the best collectively, meaning kicking and punting, uh, in the National Football League. Your thoughts on the Raiders special teams? Well, I think it's been rock solid all year, and I think it's been something that's been a strength of theirs going back a couple of years when Rich Passaccia was running the special teams, then he, he became the interim head coach. And when you can rely on that consistency – uh, at punter and kicker, especially when your team isn't scoring a lot of points because, you, you know, this field goal may mean a lot. If we we got to get it. Or our offense isn't really working. We got to play a field position game. We have to be able to flip the field uh, with an A.J. Cole, and you can count on that. Uh, it makes a big difference. And I, I think that was, a, a you know, it's a major reason why, obviously, they didn't score 
on Sunday, but that ability uh, uh, to flip the field and play field position was a reason why they were still in that game, and it was nothing-nothing late in the fourth quarter, even though they couldn't get the offense going. All right, now let's turn to the offense. We're going to start right with the elephant in the room, Aiden O'Connell. Um, I have seen some things from Aiden, some, that tell me he can be a QB1. I have seen more that tells me that's questionable. I think he's a rookie, so you, you don't throw it away. I, You know this. You, as long as you've known me, I've always talked about I like a quarterback that has some mobility. Um, Patrick Mahomes, as much as Raider fan hates to hear it, is the best in the league because he is a terrific runner who has the discipline to stay in the pocket. That being said, uh I think the Raiders are clearly in a QB market. I think they need to go get um, as few as one. I would be bringing in two new quarterbacks next year. Um, but some would even say three. You move on from Aiden because there's no mobility. I'm not there yet. I don't think you throw them away yet. But when you look at DeVito, when you look at Levis, you know, the improvis the improvisation when you look at some of it Aiden O'Connell has four games to show some it he has not shown that yet the ability to put a team on his shoulders now I know we give coaches 20 games um and I'm going to get to that in a minute by the way but and you still got to give they haven't made the decision he's the guy so my point is I have not seen enough but he has got to do better going down the field. He's got to be much better with his pocket awareness and, and moving and getting out of stuff. He's almost too robotic. To me, that rests on him, but also the offensive coaches around him. Your thoughts on Aiden O'Connell? Right. And I do, one thing I do want to be fair about is if you look at, he's had six starts and five since he's been named right. the starting quarterback. The five since he's been named the starting quarterback, he's gone against five D coordinators that have been around the block, Wink Martindale, Jeff Ulbrich, uh, Steve Spagnuolo, um, Vic Fangio, and Brian Flores the other day. So these are guys that have right. a load of experience. Some of them have head coaching experience. They've all coordinated multiple defenses in the NFL and have multiple you – know, they have a lot of years of experience as a defensive play caller uh, under their belts. Uh, they're going to challenge a young quarterback. They're going to Brian Flores is going to blitz you. Um, Wink Martindale is going to have a lot of different schemes for you. Jeff Ulbrich with the Jets, they have one of the best defenses in the league. That defense has come to play every week, even if the offense hasn't. Um, and you're seeing Banjo, Banjo, yeah, of course, Banjo, and Steve Spagnuolo, another guy who right. can 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 make life really tough for an opposing quarterback. So he's been exposed to a lot, and he's been challenged a lot in the last five weeks. And that can only help him later on down the road, whether he's a starter for the Raiders or elsewhere or whether he's a backup for the Raiders or elsewhere. Now, to me, I think at the very least, he's shown that he can be a capable backup on a cheap rookie deal for a few, couple more years. Now yep. the question is, okay, if that's what you think he's going to be, who is your start? Because I know you obviously talk about the financial commitment to Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jimmy Garoppolo was not good this year when he played. 
you know, he didn't look like the competent <laughs> player that he was for his time in San Francisco. Do you go out, or depending on how this, this season ends and where you're drafting, do you look to go and get another quarterback in the draft? There's, you know, it, it'll be very interesting. A lot is going to determine be, be determined by who becomes the head coach, who becomes the general manager. To me, I think Aiden O'Connell has, has at least proven that he can be a capable backup in this league. I think he has four more games this year to put some different things on tape and give the next staff, whoever it is, a chance to evaluate and see what you know what he has moving forward. Because I I, I agree with what you said. It, it's a lot tougher for these days in the NFL to be a pure pocket passer. For decades, that was the archetype. In the, mm-hmm. in the NFL. That's what you wanted. You wanted a guy that was going to sit in the pocket and, and be the, that kind of player. You obviously have to still be able to win from the pocket. It's the most important part of playing quarterback still, but you need that that mobility. You need the ability at the very least to extend plays or save yourself from sacks and, and make something out of nothing occasionally. Um, so if he can at least improve a little bit in that area, it will be a, a big step in that in a good direction for him. Totally agree with you. Now let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. I would have played him Sunday sometime in the third quarter. Um, I have said, and I don't back down from it. You know, I don't do revisionist history that he was terrible in the Josh McDaniel system, but everybody was. I still doesn't mean that I think he's a bad quarterback. It certainly doesn't mean that I think, I mean, the guy's resume speaks for itself. His biggest issue was not ability. It was availability. So I think if, if you're allowing everyone else to improve since Josh McDaniels left, you've got a, it is fair assumption that Jimmy is, is going to be better. As long as they're still in the hunt, do you play him? With this caveat, there's about $11 million bucks that they're going to be able to get out of next year. Uh, and I'm not going to get into all the semantics how because it's so long and we're not getting into that today. But if he gets injured like Derek Carr last year, they're not going to be able to get rid of him and that money is going to be guaranteed. If you know no matter what, if the owner has come down and said, listen, no matter what, Jimmy's out next year. Do you roll the dice and play Jimmy because you're still in the playoff hunt? Or do you say, no, we're not. We're going to roll with the kid because I don't want to guarantee that money. That's a very difficult question. Um, That is a very, very difficult question. What are your thoughts? I would have played him in the third quarter. Um, I... I would probably play him this week knowing that money's guaranteed because I don't think you can send a message to your team that we're quitting. But what's your thought process? Uh, to me, I think I would try to roll. Again, it's a, like we're saying it's a fine line with we're still competing. You know, we, we're out of it, things like that. I would roll with Aiden O'Connell this week on a short week. I think that it's a game that the Raiders' defense potentially could could carry them in. Uh, it's a game mm-hmm. I was predicting they'd win before this past Sunday, 
and then Justin Herbert gets hurt, so he's not going to play, it looks like. So um, I would roll with Aiden O'Connell just because I think they need to get him as many reps as possible. Now, I will say this. Um, if a, If a kid is really struggling during a game, I mean, to the point where it looks like you you almost have to do him a favor to get him out. Then I could see going back to Jimmy. It's happened yeah, before. And here's, in the and, NFL. And here's my, so. No, I was, and, you and here's, well, and here's my thought process. I would start Aiden this week, but if it doesn't look like there's improvement, I'm pulling the trigger because you in going with Jimmy. Uh, to me, he's still a viable option. If it were my team, no, it's not. Mark Davis can do whatever he wants, but to me, I, I think he's got to be a viable option if Aiden still struggles. I agree. I think you start Aiden, but if the struggles continue, it's a short hook. I mean, you got one quarter, maybe a quarter and a half, and bam, we're going to go with Jimmy if 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 there's just no production. At, at least that's my opinion. All right, let's talk about Bo Hardegree, the offensive coordinator. Um, there are a lot of things he was limited with. But there are a lot of things that sit squarely on him. I know he's a rookie OC. Now, some of my critics are like, well, Hondo, you idiot, you say you give coaches 20 games. Okay. Not interims. I have not seen enough from Bo Hardegree to say he can't at one point in his career be an NFL OC. Not seen enough. In fact, I've seen a lot that makes me think he can I don't think he is right now. Um, he certainly has four games to evolve and prove that. But as of right now, if I'm AP thinking about getting the job, do I think about going with a Scott Turner who's on the staff, letting him make some offensive play calling? But I'm probably thinking, okay, down the road, if I get the job, I better have a name in mind in case I interview with the owner. This is a guy I want to bring in from my offensive coordinator. But um, I have not seen enough from Bo to say he's the OC moving forward at all. Have you? No, I, and I think that to be fair to him, I, I think with when the Raiders go into this offseason, um, there's got to be a deep dive done as to what happened offensively this year for the most part, what went wrong. Because, okay, you know, the first eight games were Josh McDaniels. But they're still not getting the offensive production that you would think you could get out of a unit that, yes, has a rookie quarterback, but you still have Devontae Adams, you have Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, Josh Jacobs, Mayer, a couple tight ends. Why have they still really struggled to get to get launched and get off the ground there? Is it the type of system? Are they, you know, is it the way the players are being utilized um is it on the on the quarterback is it on the line in the quarterback is it on some of the player the skilled players themselves uh, there will need to be some type of deep dive because here's the thing again now listen unless the next four games the raiders have an ex ex offensive explosion something like that hmm. if things continue the way that they've been going to, if I'm Mark Davis, I think the, one of the first questions, if not the first question I ask Antonio Pierce in an interview after the season is, what are you going to do about this offense? I understand you're a defensive guy. You know, that's your pedigree. 
But how are you going to get this offense performing even at a league average level uh, to where it's a playoff caliber offense? Um, to me, now listen, he's like Bo Harvey, he gets valuable experience here. It's sort of like an Aiden O'Connell. You know, it's a rookie guy getting a chance to call plays and, and, and do things for the first time. You know, they can give him the end of the to the end of the year, and then you kind of evaluate from there. Um, I will say this: like I, I agree with you. I think if I'm Antonio Pierce, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, what do I want to do at OC next year if I'm the head coach? Do I want to bring in a veteran name, somebody that I've worked with, somebody that I know who's done it before? Um, do I want to turn it over to a guy like Scott Turner who has done it before uh, at multiple stops? Because I do think that this is something that the Raiders offense has to be better in 2024. It just, it does. And that's assuming that Devonta Adams is back as we said we would think he would be. But even if he's not back, as big of a loss as that is, they have to find a way to get more production offensively. All right. Now I want to go, and again, this is still an interim basis. Uh, I, I have not seen enough to say Bo can't be. I just have seen enough now to say at this point he's not. So he's got four games, too, to go into the bag of tricks and show us more. Um, I, I, I have not closed the door on any of them. Some of them, Aiden and Bo, what I've seen tells me if they continue on this trajectory the next four games, I'm going in a different direction. But now that brings us to AP. Again, with Bo and Aiden, I have not seen enough to rule them out as down the road as QB1 and an OC1, or OC1, just as an OC. But I've not seen enough to say they're ready for those roles today. Both have four games to change it. I, Mark Davis doesn't care what you think, I think, the fans think, or anyone else thinks. I have seen a lot from AP to make me think he is a head coach. I have seen, um, I wouldn't give it to him right now. I said earlier, if he beats either the Chiefs either time or the Dolphins, then you give it to him. He has not done that. Um, But I have seen a lot from him. So, for example, um, the benching of Marcus Peters, the um, uptick in physicality. This team is so much more physical. They're more prepared. Penalties are down. Turnovers are down. Um, multiple things he has done has worked. He gets the job after the trade deadline. So there's not a lot of things that him and the general manager can go do to get the you know to to make the team better. But the way he leads, his style, leadership. A lot of people call him rah rah, which okay you can, but rah rah coaches aren't dumping Marcus Peters. Rara coaches aren't bringing the discipline to the team that he has brought. So, again, people can have any opinion they want. It's not reality. But I have not seen enough to say he's not capable of leading this team. I'm still rooting for him. Um, I'm intrigued by AP. Your thoughts? So am I. I think that, you know, I, I, I've talked about this with you a bunch of times on here. I think that depending on how the season unfolds the rest of the way and if it continues to where, you know, the team is playing hard and he's got that level of respect and he's got, 
you know, commanding the room and, and, you know, has that way of banding guys together, like you said, and producing that physicality and producing that cohesiveness. I, I think long <laughs> and hard about giving him the permanent job if I'm Mark Davis, unless I have a guy in mind that I know is almost mm-hmm. a can't-miss type candidate and is, is going to take the job if offered and I can bring him in. Other than that, you know, I think at the very least he deserves a long look, Antonio Pierce, because if they finish the year strong and they don't hire the interim head coach again and they bring in an outsider who doesn't do the job again, and then it's going to reflect poorly on Mark Davis. Like you said, this is this upcoming coaching hire, whoever he hires, is going to be a massive one for his legacy as an owner and for the – to shape the direction of the franchise. Um, I think, and again, you're more privy to the nitty gritty details of what goes on with, with Antonio Pearson, with the team. But I think from an outsider's perspective, I think that the effort has been there. Uh, I think they've played really hard. The defense has continued to play well. He'll get another opportunity on national TV this week. Uh, home game. Kansas City as well. Kansas City as well. So, yeah, so he's got a couple of more opportunities on national television, including against uh, the defending Super Bowl champions to kind of show his stuff and show what his team's capable of. So I think that he's got some chances down the stretch to really enhance his resume and enhance his case for the full-time job. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I Again, I'm rooting for him. I, I, I'm rooting for him. Let me say this. I like him personally, but that's not why I'm rooting for him. I like Aiden O'Connell personally a lot, um, uh, but it's not that. I look at some decisions he's made and think, "Wow, that that was ballsy," or "Boy, that was big," or "Boy, you can see his adjust." And, and, and as a head coach, those are things you've got to see. I'm, now, if he can even get the offense to change a little, if he now he told me yesterday talking about AP you know that he wants them attacking he wants more from it he said he's been talking about it every week and going to continue to talk about it um I am of the persuasion and I'll talk more about it after the game I don't want to say too much um that this even though it's a short week, there is a lot of Antonio Pierce <clears throat> influence going on inside the building right now. Again, I'm, I'm impressed with him <laughs> and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. All right. Now I want to go to the next uh, subject, which is a rebuild. Now there are a lot of reasons team rebuild. They go and decide, okay, we're going to go with a new coach We're going to go pick a rookie quarterback. We're going to rebuild. If that's your decision, then you have to look and say, okay, what players on our team are young and we're going to go be looking for to draft in the draft? Okay, so for example, Max Crosby, super young. He's untouchable. I don't care what you offer. I mean, you would have to offer me something – the biggest trade in the history of the league because defensive ends are the second most valuable position behind quarterback. 
and he's super young and he's elite and still not at his best. So to me, you don't touch Max. Okay. Devontae's older. So if you're going to go rebuild, okay. I'll trade Devontae for two ones to the Jets or, you know, Quinn Williams and, and a one. I don't think they would get Sauce Gardner. A lot of people are like, give us Sauce Gardner and a one. Yeah, that, that's not going to happen because he's so young. But so is Q. Um, I, I'm okay with that. But then all of a sudden you have to start looking and say, okay, is A.J. Cole, who's the best punter in the league, is he good enough that he can go through three years of a rebuild? And, oh, by the way, it's going to be 26 before we expect to compete. So three years down the road – is do we expect him to still be performing at this level? That's the next part of the rebuild is going through your roster asking, okay, is this a player we trade? Because three years from now, because if you go through a rebuild, it's three years. You're, 24 is a wash, 25 is a wash, and then you don't expect to be competitive until 26. I mean, that's the reality of what a rebuild is. And so then you got to go through and ask yourself, to me, just to me, Special teams are fantastic. Your defense is, is is very, very good, and you don't even have a lot of money invested in it. It's in the 40 millions when you take Chandler Jones's contract out, which is ridiculous. And you have an offense with a lot of guys you can win with now. Jacoby, um, you know, again, Colton, I think Dylan Parham, I mean, Josh Jacobs. There is a lot of and again, Devon, I said Devonte, but there's a lot there. I just don't see this as a rebuild. I think there are a, too many really good players. I think your salary cap, once you start start stop doing stupidity, is going to be fine. And if you go get a rookie quarterback, your 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 your, your salary your salary cap is going to be fine in 25. It's still going to be okay in 24. Not good, but okay. But in 25, you'll be fine. Um, I, I, if you just get a new coach and you're going to go get a new quarterback, okay, you're a year away with all those pieces. That, to me, is, is the way to go. But if it's a rebuild, then I think you have to go through and look at all your best players and say, okay, three years from now, is this guy viable? Where he is today? No. Okay, then we'll trade him. Your thoughts on what I think about a rebuild? Yeah, I don't think the roster as currently constructed is so poor that it, it requires a full teardown. But the question now becomes, does if you bring in outsiders or, or whoever you hire, do they feel – how quickly do they feel they can be a legitimate competitor, a legitimate contender? If they think they could do it next year with the right moves – Okay, or maybe they think they could do in twenty twenty five. You know, next year we might be able to make a wild card run. Twenty twenty five, we could be you know an actual division and an AFC contender. Then, I, then obviously, I think that that would maybe be ideal with the way the roster is set up right now. But you could. Here is the question: If somebody comes in a GM candidate or a head coach candidate or both and says to Mark Davis, "Listen, I know you have a few players here, but this isn't." where it needs to be. We got to rebuild this. We got to blow this up. We got to do. Well, now you're asking the fan base and you're asking people to undergo a pretty big overhaul. And like you said, 
there are some guys who like Devontae Adams is not going to be a part of that three-year building process at this point in his career. Max Crosby is good enough and young enough where he can be part of it. But even that, I think, would take a toll on him where you're now asking him to basically give up two years of his career playing for a team that's actively rebuilding. Because there's a there's a difference between playing for a team that is kind of in the middle of the league or, or you know, struggling maybe a little below average, like say like this year's team has been, and playing for a team that is actively rebuilding and playing for the future. Because you know going into the season that you probably don't have a chance to make playoffs. Doesn't mean you don't play hard. Doesn't mean you might not pull off a few wins here and there. But you know where your team stands. So, I mean, that that's another question going into the offseason. Again, is fundamental to the shape and direction of the franchise and legacy of Mark Davis, how they want to go about building this. Do they think that they are a few moves away and put some finishing touches on it? Or do they think they really want to tear it down? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you, in talking to people around the league, not one person thinks this is a rebuild. They're all like, no, you got to win in today's modern NFL. There are so many pieces there. But I want to go back now to Mark Davis. Clearly, he can do whatever he wants. I'm not trying to in in any way. I don't think he cares to influence him. But I believe this is legacy defining. If he says, okay, we need some help on the offensive line. You know, we, we need some help at a couple other key positions that we can add free agents. You People are forgetting there are free agents that want to play for Antonio Pierce. I'm not going to give any names right now, but there are some guys, some quality guys that want to come here and play. And so you think you can add a couple of key pieces in free agency. Let's go get a, you know, a, a quarterback in the draft, maybe sign a veteran. And we think we're close. If he goes and does that and gives AP, the three-year prove-it deal, which we've talked about before, you give them three years, and it's a $4 million a year deal, and tell them you're going to get the full three years, but if at any point in the three years you get this team to the playoff, it automatically extends five with a raise to $10 million, because you paid Josh McDaniels and John Gruden $10 million and they didn't get you to the playoffs. And But if it doesn't work, then he's able the, – the decision to hire him is not as legacy-defining as the next one that will be. If he lets AP go, I don't care if it's for a quick fix, hey, we're not going to rebuild, or he rebuilds. Either way, this is going to be legacy-defining. If he goes and gets AP with a three-year prove-it deal and it doesn't work, I don't think the decision – is defining. Am I wrong or right? No, I, I, I see where you're coming from without a doubt. I think that when you look at, you know, that that's that and if that's the case, you say, hey, we gave it a shot and it didn't work out. And maybe we're maybe now as we we've built the last couple of years, we're in good shape for whoever the next guy is coming in. Um but I got I, I said this earlier in the show, I've said it on past episodes. If they bring in an outside guy and it doesn't work again. Legacy defining. The fans will be say, hey, we had two. And listen, there's no guarantee that they had hired Rich Versace two years ago. It would be, you know, it would have worked out long term. 
But this is a guy – that's a guy who had gotten them into the playoffs after Gruden got fired. Um, you know, he, he had a lot of support among the players, among the fans, and they, the guy they brought in was failed. So if they do that again, it's it's going to be same old Raiders. The fans will be fans will be saying. Okay, now I want to address the fan base. Um, I've told you since I got out here, these people are amazing. Uh, this fan base, man, I've I've never. I've been to Dallas when they were terrible, and there wasn't good crowds. That that fan base is huge but very fickle. This fan base, win, lose, or draw, they're there, they're smart, they know the game. Um, Even people who I disagree with, when you talk to them, they have sane, sensible arguments. These people know the game of football. There's nothing stupid. This is just – they're like Nebraska in college football, Indiana in basketball – Laker fans in in pro basketball, Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Red Wing fans in hockey. They're just those kind of fans, St. Louis Cardinals in baseball. As an organization, you can't just keep selling just win when it's just rebuild. Somebody sent me a meme yesterday, and I don't know if it was a meme or a picture, but it basically was a sheet hanging off a bridge that says, it's okay, Raider Nation, we've been through a rebuild before. We'll make it through again. I wish I remembered who sent it to me, but I I would give them credit, but it wasn't me. They don't deserve that. And when you look at this roster and you see it and you analyze it and realize, wow, there's a lot of really good parts. They need some pieces. They don't need a rebuild. If you go away from that, and bring somebody from the outside, there is a danger, a real danger, that you're going to at some point take these fans for granted, and I'm not saying Davis has, and they're going to say, okay, enough's enough. Enough's enough. Um, I was on a a, um, national show the other day that's going to air in a couple weeks. And it was myself and another um, nationally renowned actress, a very successful actress who's been a longtime Raider fan, grew up in the in the Bay Area. And the the host asked the question, I'll tell you who it was in a minute. You'll know who they are. Um, I just don't want to say until the show airs. But the host talked about the difference, you know, the move from Oakland. And I made the comment, you can take the team out of Oakland, you can't take Oakland out of the team. At some point, Matt, I think there's a real danger. And I know people are going to say this is stupid or whatever, but I'm not a fan. This fan base is so low that it can come to a point where they say, enough's enough. And the moment they do that, the magic of the Raiders is the fans. I've shared this with you. Matt Millen told me this when he was general manager of the Raiders. Every NFL team's fans think they're part of the team, but only in Oakland, and they were in Oakland at the time, obviously Las Vegas now, but only with the Raiders do the players think they're part of the team, talking about the fans. To me, there's anger in this fan base 
I've not seen it before like this anywhere I've ever been, whatever I've ever covered, even with the Lions. They embrace the lovable losers like the old Cubs fans did. That is not this team. Losing is not in their DNA. It's not in their DNA. Uh, you, 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 you could do a blood test on every Raider fan, and they're all related because they all have that losing is not in my DNA gene. I think that Mark Davis has to be concerned about at what point now we've moved the team. At what point does we begin to lose a big part of our fan base? Do you think I'm overstating it? I think the thing that helps the Raiders with that is the fact that it is still a bit of a national fan base. There's Raider fans everywhere out here in New York, New Jersey, um, out in the, obviously in Vegas and in California and all they're all over. So that silver and black nation is strong, but I do think huge you're starting to get, and I only see from the comments on Twitter and the comments on uh, Facebook and from a few Raider fans that I know personally out here, you're starting to get almost like that, fatalism where you're just sort of resigned to the fact that this this team doesn't win you know this is now 20 years of rebuilds after rebuilds and there really hasn't been anything fruitful to show for it there's been a couple of winning seasons a couple of playoff berths but they haven't had anything sustained and that's what fans are used to uh, especially ones that have been around a while and watched this franchise they're used to that sustained success that excellence that the, the team preaches um, I I don't think the Raider fan base, the Raider brand, will ever die or or really be in, in dire straits. But I do think you're in, in some danger of obviously losing some of that passion, at least until you show some type of consistency, some type of vision for the future. Because I think people are really resigned to the fact, like, when are we ever going to win again? When are we going to become the Raiders again? Because you know, it just hasn't happened for a long time. And you see teams around the NFL, um, and there's, listen, there's always losing franchises. And like you say, there's franchises that historically do poorly than others. Uh, but the Raiders were never one of those teams. And you start to see some of those teams even outperform the Raiders. You look at what, you know, the Lions seem to have, they're going to be a playoff team this year. They seem to have built some type of something solid, at least for a couple of years. Uh, the yeah. Browns have made the playoffs a couple of years ago, won a playoff game. They might get back this year. And I'm not saying those those franchises don't have their own issues. But, you know, the, the Bengals, they got Joe Burrow, and, that, you know, they're in, they're playing for Super Bowls. Like, these are teams that have historically been been down and have struggled. Um, the Bills, of course, I'm, I'm just throwing different names. You see those teams that are that have made this come up recently. I think Lions, uh, Raiders fans are justifiably wondering, when is that going to be us? You know, when your owner has had two coaches take you to the playoffs and he's fired them both. I mean, he gets rid of Del Rio because he wants to bring Gruden in. He gets rid of Bisaccia because he wants to bring Josh McDaniels in. Then all of a sudden, and again, I'm not saying the brand's going to die, but I'm going to share this with you. I think you'll find this funny. Then I got one other topic and we'll let you go. Since I started covering this team, I'm learning some new words. Now, as you know, uh, I'm 
I'm just, I am who I am. I don't try to be who I'm not. But there's a term out here that they use in Raider Nation called OG. Stands for original gangster. And it's not, it's not referring to people as gangsters. It's just, I, I wish I could explain it to you. You'd almost have to be part of the of, of this to get it. It's, you know, as an OG, somebody is an old school fan or been around since the beginning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my concern. I've shared this with you before. I didn't understand it when I first started covering the team because every email I got was, Hondo, I've been a fan since 76, or Hondo, I became a fan Al Davis's first year. I'm this old. And at first I thought, who cares? Why are people telling me how long they've been a fan? But the more I get cover it, I get it now. I totally get it. I expect, in fact, if I get an email from somebody that doesn't say I've been a fan since, I just almost delete it because it's like, okay, this is somebody who's a new fan. It, whatever. When you embrace the suck, <laughs> you 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 have a shot at alienating some of your OGs. And I'm going to tell you, Matt, though these people are precious. I, I on this national show, um. And I don't know how they're going to edit it, but I made a comment. And I also said this to Wayne Mabry, the violator, who was on my show last week. Um, if my son, who's 16 months old, Dexter, let's say he's five years old and he says, Dad, I want to go to a game, but I'm up in the press box, so I can't take him. I would let that kid go sit in the black hole because, <laughs> yeah, they have all the costumes and they look mean. They are some of the most wonderful people. I have not had one dealing with anyone that's a black hole member. Shout out to the black hole. Shout out to Cisco Ortega, uh, who I haven't thought, man, I don't want them around my family. Just precious people. And I just, I feel for them. This is why to me, it's legacy defining. You've had two coaches take you to the playoffs. You've fired them both. If you go with AP, it isn't as legacy defining if it doesn't work. And it's just fascinating to me. All right. Last question that I have for you. And I, I think it's a big one. Um, I think it's an important one. Tyreek Hill goes out of the game. His wife texts him and says, dog, you better get back in there. Now, not because she's a money chaser, but because she knows him. She knew, okay, it's just an ankle, get back in there. How cool was that to see? Well, I, I, I listen, I know I'm talking to Raider Nation. <laughs> Who doesn't like Tyreek because he was a chief, but I still thought it was pretty cool. Your thoughts? No, it was. And listen, you're talking about a guy who obviously his team still has a lot to play for. He still has a lot to play for. And he, but you know, it would have been easy for him to. It was a nasty looking ankle injury to kind of take the rest of the night off and, and reassess and reevaluate. But he came back in, and I think he knew that speaks to the type of competitor that he is. And I think that um, that was fun to watch. Obviously, the game. Did, shockingly didn't work out well for the the Dolphins the way it ended but I think it was it was good to see Tyreek get back out there and, and that the injury wasn't something that kept him sideline long well Matt I think this was a great podcast I think Raider Nation is going to love it because we really go through a lot and dissect it thank you so much for being with us to all of you guys from Matt and I Merry Christmas remember this is Matt Halatic from the spun.com I'm Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. And by the way, everybody, if you don't want the video, because I wouldn't want to look at me and Matt, 
But if you want to just listen to the audio, you can go to Spotify. You can go to Apple or wherever else you get your podcasts. Additionally, every day, I do a podcast that's just audio only. It's usually five to 10 minutes. It's called Riding with Hondo. It's with me. Usually I do it with me and my son Dexter in the truck. But um, that's also there. So you get two of those a day, um, which is a lot more content. Again, that's at Spotify or Apple where you can get those. And again, we appreciate all of you. So Matt, Merry Christmas, my friend. Enjoy the Big Apple. We'll see you back here next week. Looking forward to going to KC on Christmas Day. Thanks for joining us. And by the way, hold on. I want to share something with you real quick. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Appreciate you. Merry Christmas. And God bless you. Merry Christmas. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider Production on the Fans First Sports Network.